I've watched people buy bad deals just because they wanted to say they had a deal. And then once you buy a deal and you're too high in your cost basis, there's no fixing that part of the deal. So make sure you trust your numbers when you're going into a deal. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while Building Bits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Jerome Myers. How you doing, Jerome? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Jerome. He serves as an executive coach, real estate investor, and business strategy consultant at the Myers Development Group. He's an asset manager for over 75 units and 75,000 square feet of workforce housing across Virginia and North Carolina, and he's the host of a podcast. It's called the Dreamcatcher Podcast. He's based in Greensboro, North Carolina. My mom and stepdad used to live in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, so I've been to Greensboro many times. So with that being said, Jerome, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Formal trainings in engineering. I'm a civil engineer licensed in North Carolina, Virginia, New York, and Texas. Got an MBA. And my last corporate America job, I built the $20 million division in a construction company. Today, we're focused on small multifamilies, really buying things that are between 20 and 50, but looking to scale that up to 75 to 150 over the next couple of years. Our ambition is to hold a thousand doors by 2028. Great. And you're an asset manager currently for 75 units, correct? Yes. Okay. Is that your own company or are you employed by another company? No. So that's my company. We've partnered with small friends. So those are your deals? Yes. We've been the deal lead on two of them. And then we put together the strategy on another one, but it was another person's contract. Okay. So you're the general partner on some, and then you're brought in as a asset manager for others? For one, we were hired in or brought in as a partner. So we're a partner in every deal. We buy into every deal. The first deal that we got in, we didn't have multifamily experience, so we had to partner with others that did. So we came in as kind of a strategy partner. We also brought some cash to the deal. And then from there, we were able to take that experience and roll it into our own deals. So We've been really focusing on Greensboro, North Carolina since that point. Oh, great. All right. Well, let's talk about that first deal, and then we'll go from there. Tell us about the first deal. 
The first deal was a 23-unit building in Richmond, Virginia. It was a heavy value add. We are spending, I don't know if I can disclose it, but we're spending a lot of money there. And we purchased that property for $1.3 million. And we're looking to start leasing that one up this summer. Okay. So we're about 60 to 70% through renovations at this point. And you mentioned you helped with the strategy and you brought cash. What's been your more specific role with that deal? We helped come up with the initial construction strategy. We also were instrumental in the business plan development. We helped create the PowerPoints and present those to the bank. And we also solicited a couple of investors to help fund the down payment. When you created the presentation and did it for the bank, what are some things that you learned through that process? The numbers matter. For this property, they didn't want lipstick on a pig. They really wanted us to come in and improve the property. The previous owner had a ton of deferred maintenance, and the property was just falling into disrepair. So they were looking for somebody to come in and really upfit the units, make them look nice. The area that we bought in is pretty affluent. A lot of the homes are 300000 plus, which may sound cheap for some of the markets, but for Richmond, that's one of the more affluent areas. So we're taking rents from 695 up over 1100 We're hoping for 1195 Wow. That's a huge jump. Have you achieved those rent premiums? We pre-leased two units. We ended up deviating from the initial business plan that we set out on. We were going to upgrade units as people leases expired. And we cleared out the whole complex and we're doing everything all at the same time. We've already leased up too. So yes, we are getting those rent premiums. Well, so you have no residents living at the property right now? Yes, it's a dead asset, which is one of my biggest fears. We haven't done that on any project afterwards, Mm -hmm. but this one, we've got some pretty strong financial partners in the deal. So we're able to carry the note. Is that the reason why you did it is because you have the cash to float the property versus leasing it up as leases expire? We found out after we got into the deal that there were some big plumbing issues. So the property wasn't functioning well enough to keep people there or trying to keep people there while we went through the construction. So we felt like it was just better to clear it out and be able to get in, hit it really hard with all the trades it ends up being more efficient. And there's really two schools of thoughts on that. Some people want to clear it out, bring everybody in, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, get back out. Then there are other people who prefer to turn units as the leases expire. And I think I'm more of the school of thought of the latter. One of this project with the amount of renovations that we're doing, we're going to have basically a brand new property when we get done. So this approach is actually working pretty well for us. Except for the fact that we got to pay a mortgage every month. Yeah, those are details. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How are you able to remove residents if their lease did not expire? When we buy assets, we're typically looking for ones where the majority of the residents are month to month. And that happens a lot with the mom and pops that we've been running into. They aren't renewing the leases and they don't have terms in the leases where there's a premium for being month to month. So we try to come in where either they're month to month or they expire in the first six months of ownership so that we can get in and do our thing. 
That's a 23 unit. What was the next deal? The next deal was two addresses, but the total deal was 28 units. So it was 20 townhome units at one address and then eight one-bedroom kind of two side-by-side quads. I guess that's the best way to describe it at another address. Okay. Where is that located? In Greensboro, North Carolina. That one's in Greensboro. How did you come across a 23-unit, by the way? It was on market. And the funny story with that is I tried to buy the deal by myself in January, and then I got connected with another group of folks who were interested in the same deal. And we eventually we closed it in November of that year. Just funny how things come full circle. And why didn't you buy it on your own? I didn't have the multifamily experience. So when I went to the bank, they said, yeah, this is nice, but what loan have you signed? The 28 units, that portfolio, how do you find that portfolio? Direct mail. Direct mail. Can you elaborate on your process for direct mail? Yes. We created a letter, sent it out to 50 to 60 owners. We pulled a list from the city GIS or county GIS, got the addresses of the businesses or the owners of the properties, sent out letters to them with our phone number on them and got a pretty high response rate. We looked at probably three or four deals out of that mailing and we're able to close one. What did you write in the letter? We told them that we're looking to buy properties in their market. We told them what type and size of properties we're looking to buy. And we told them that we know that it's not being actively marketed, but there are many reasons why people might sell. And in this instance, the owner was ready to retire. So he was willing to divest with the property without going through a broker and all of the other rigmarole that a lot of people do when they're trying to get top dollar for their property. And what was the reason why he went with you all versus going with a broker? I think it was just ease of sell. He was very confident that we were going to close from the beginning and we built rapport and there was never a question in his mind on whether or not we were going to close. So I think he would have spent a whole lot more time marketing and maybe had to make some more investment if he wanted to take it to LoopNet or City Feed or Crexy or something like that in order to get the dollars that he wanted out of the property after paying the broker. If you wouldn't mind, please walk us through the interactions that you had with him. Can you tell us a little bit about how that conversation went on the first time you talked to him when he was calling you after he received the direct mail piece? So I put my phone number on the bottom of the letters and tell them to call me if they're interested in selling. And he did. I answered the phone. He asked if it was me. I confirmed it was. And then he began to tell me a little bit about his property. I asked how soon I could tour it. And then I think it was that day or the next day, he and I met on the property. We did a brief tour around the outside. He had a vacant unit. So we went in one of the vacants. And then we discussed what he was looking for out of the property. I went back to my model, made sure that the numbers worked, and then I submitted an LOI. We negotiated some of the terms of the LOI and then one under contract. And from there, we closed it in 75 days. When you were having that initial meeting with him at the property, you said that you talked to him about what he was looking to get for the property. How much was he looking for during that conversation? I think he asked for eight sixty. 
He asked for eight sixty. That's a very specific amount. And what did you say at that point in time while you were on site? I just told him we'd have to look at it. I'd have to look at what he actually collected in rent because it's very different what people collect versus what they show on a spreadsheet. And I needed to go through and actually do an inspection of each unit to make sure that I understood the condition of the entire property so that I could make a reasonable offer. But in concept, I thought it was in the right ballpark. So I thought it was okay in concept and he felt good about that and we kept moving through the process. Just so I'm clear, you mentioned that you needed to see every unit before you could make a counter offer to him. Did I hear you correctly? That is not what I meant to okay. communicate. Maybe what I, I just told him that in concept, I thought his price was close to where we could be. Okay. But before I got to a final number, whatever the closer number is, might not be what the LOI number is. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to be transparent with him that we were going to go through every unit and make sure that the property was in good shape because we weren't going to pay for things that were wrong with the property going in. We would ask for some type of credit. Okay. I just wanted him to understand that just because if we agreed on 860 or 850 or 840, whatever we agreed on, on that day, that a month later, two months later, when we got down to the wire, if we found out there were issues with the property, that we were going to be looking for some help from him on those issues. What was the final purchase price? The final purchase price was 840 and then there was another ten or $15,000 in closing concessions. Okay. The LOI terms that you initially sent to him what was the price that you initially proposed to him? I think I sent him eight forty. Eight forty. Pretty okay. sure I sent him eight forty. Yeah. Okay. In fact, he brought it up towards the end when I started asking for closing concessions. He's like, "Well, I asked for eight sixty. You came in at eight forty. You should take that money and apply it to whatever closing concessions you want." I was like, "No, we found out new information, and so we need to make an adjustment on the deal because of that." Mm-hmm. What LOI terms were negotiated? during the process? Just closing date. So I think we put in, we were going to close July 31st or so. And he wanted to close at the end of June so that it'd be a clean break. Basically he had the first half of the year. I have the second half Mm -hmm. and we kept the 731 and said, we'll close earlier if we can. And that was going to be a function of them providing us all the documents that we requested the appraisal going as planned and the bank being ready to fund. And in fact, we closed on July 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And what are some things from an execution standpoint now that you've closed that you've come across from a challenge standpoint? I was probably going to save this for the end, but make sure when you're doing your inspection that the utilities are on in every unit. A lot of times the landlords will cut off utilities if the units are vacant, especially in the summertime, because they don't have the risk of pipes bursting. So one of the units had a broken pipe in it. So when we turned the water on, when we started renovating it, we found that out after closing. It wasn't a huge amount of money to get it fixed, but it was something that I should have known about. I think the other thing that's a big deal is appliances and understanding what condition the appliances are in because they're one of the bigger ticket items in the rehab budget. And in the past, I hadn't paid attention to it. But as we've turned 11 of the 20 units at this property, 
that thousand dollars for a refrigerator and a range just keeps popping up. And at times it gets frustrating because I feel like if people were living there, then the appliances were functioning properly. And then all of a sudden when we get in there and we're making it ready for the next person, they're not actually functioning the way that you would expect them to. You had a 23 unit, then a 28 unit portfolio. What was the next one? 26 unit in Greensboro. And was that direct mail? That was back on LoopNet, believe LoopNet. it or not. Wow. You've got a smorgasbord of ways you find deals. One is through a fully marketed deal. Another is through direct mail. And then the third is LoopNet. Yep. So you reached out to the owners directly via LoopNet or were they represented by a broker? They were represented by a broker. And by far, this guy's been the best broker that I've worked with thus far in real estate. He's responsive. He wants things to be done fairly and he doesn't mess around with a bunch of nonsense. He just wants to get the deal closed and make sure that everybody's playing fair ball. So I, I really enjoyed working with him. What was the purchase price for the 26 unit? 1375. $1,375? $1, no, 1,375,000. <laughs> oh, dare to dream. Okay. And yeah, what's right. what's the business plan for this one? This one is something different than what we've done. So, it's near UNC Greensboro and they were leasing this property as student housing even though about 50% of the residents weren't students. So, they were charging basically 420 a bedroom. And some of the units, at least four of the 26 units, only had one person in a bedroom. So you're getting 420 for a unit that's 820. So our business plan is we're converting from student housing to workforce housing. We're also in that shift, we're going to give the utilities back to the residents. And that should drop about forty dollars to $55,000 to the bottom line. How active are you with the 26 units business plan? I'm the asset manager, so I'm on point for everything. So we've laid the plan out with the property manager. We're going to consolidate those four units into two where only half the unit is leased. We're going to put those two units online. And then as leases expire, we're going to give folks to migrate to the new leasing program. But if they want to transition then that's okay too. And the thing that we're concerned about or our big risk point in this business plan is in July, we have 18 of the 26 leases expiring. So we've got to make sure that our cash coffers are ready to take on a mortgage for a month or two if we have to. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Trust your numbers. If you know how to model and you know what rents are, don't chase a deal just because you're close. I've watched people buy bad deals just because they wanted to say they had a deal. And then once you buy a deal and you're too high in your cost basis, there's no fixing that part of the deal. So make sure you trust your numbers when you're going into a deal. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality, income-producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. 
Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting-edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. Best ever book you've recently read? Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. Best ever deal you've done? The... 26 unit is the best deal we've done. So we purchased that for 1.375. The appraisal came back at 1.75 million. That's a nice appraisal. And did the 23 units, 28 units, and 26 units, does that equal 75 or am I missing another deal? I think it's a little over 75, but I just use round numbers. All right, cool. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I've talked about it a little bit before, but it's not making sure that the utilities are on when you go into a unit. And it came up in multiple places. So I talked about the bursted pipe, but at another property, utilities weren't on and we weren't able to check AC units. So I found out the hard way that the AC units weren't working properly. In one instance, replaced two whole systems. Best ever way you like to give back? My family has a full scholarship at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University for engineers. We want to continue to grow that. And then the other way is through our podcast. We feel like we help a lot of people with that. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? They can check out our website. It's developing.com, but we changed the E's to three. So D3V3LOPING.com. And they can reach out through the contact us form there. Jerome, thank you for being on the show and talking to us about the deals that you've done. I love talking about deals. and I love getting into the specifics. So thank you for getting into the specifics of the deals and the business plan and how you found the deals. That's really interesting. Best ever listeners, you want to find the 28 unit portfolio, put together a direct mail campaign and you got, as you said, three to four responses by mailing out to 50 to 60 owners ended up closing on a transaction. So Thank you so much for being on the show, Jerome, talking us through what you've done so far. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, Joe. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting-edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com.